0: Hi everybody and welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times podcast and Facebook live show covering all sports on Cape Cod. I'm Matt Goisman alongside Steve Jardarian. It is Monday, November 19th. We are just three days away from Thanksgiving and one day removed from state championship weekend. And Cape Cod had a pretty good weekend, I would say.
1: Yeah, one up from last year. We had two state championships in football last year. We got three um one for soccer one for volleyball one for field hockey yeah it's pretty good pretty great fall
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so the the most recent game though which I was at yesterday that was Nosset uh boys soccer that was in the division two you can call it the state championship you can call that the eastern mass championship whatever you want to call it it's the highest game in d2 Nosset wins uh 3-0 over Arlington they finish a perfect 23-0 and season I don't think this team maybe was expected to do this in the same way the 2016 team was, but this was a really great season and a really great Nasa team.
1: Yeah, and I think it was really they won it in a different way they won it two years ago. Mm-hmm. This is definitely, and Nasa will admit this, this is a, definitely a more team effort mm-hmm. this year. And oh, Just yeah. in terms of the the different goal scores that Nasa got it, all year long, all playoffs long, you saw different players stepping up in different games, and when you got. You know, six or seven different guys who were putting the ball in the net in the postseason. I don't know what the final total was. Right. You know, you have a dangerous team, and, and this team stepped up. And I thought what was really impressive was their defense yesterday. Yeah. Finishing it with a shutout, kind of unaccustomed like giving up goals in the sectional final and then the sectional semifinal. Mm-hmm. Those those were both late in the game. But I, I thought, uh, you know, Abdel Talabi, the All American senior, just really stepped up and played his yeah. best game. And with Jack Avlar, who had been in this position before. I'm sure he looked as comfortable as ever in there at net.
0: Yeah, he only had to make one really like big save, and he did make it. It was late in the second half. They, I mean, Abington, I'm sorry, Arlington, uh, the Spy Ponders. They kind of, after Nossett went up 2-0 real early in the second half off a Talabi throw in that Spencer Rushnak eventually sent home. Arlington, they. They faded pretty quickly. The third goal, uh, which was Ramel Brown um, from Curtis Moore, that that killed it. But Arlington did have one push real late in the game. They were able to put something on net. I think it was off a set piece. Avalar kind of made this real nice leaping jump to kind of knock it over the crossbar and out of bounds. That was the only real big save he had to make. Everything else was more corner kicks coming his way that he had to kind of intercept or send-ins that he had to run up and take. Uh, but he made the plays that he had to make and Talabi was huge. I mean, Talabi, the throw-in obviously, so it was helping out on offense, but just his ability to cover the entire field to boot everything in his territory away. I-, I could see Arlington's players getting frustrated that every attack, if they let the ball get a little too far ahead of them, Talabi would just get rid of it again. Mm-hmm. You know, and he really anchored that defense that faced some pressure in the first half, not nearly as much in the second half. Uh and but handled all of it pretty well,
1: right? So I mean, you look at over three years. I mean, a sixty-three-two one combined record. That's I mean, pretty good. <laughs> I mean, two state championships, and maybe you don't call it a dynasty. Maybe if they win one more. But I mean, it's quite an era that uh, that NASA Boys Soccer has put together. And really, if you think about it, last year, I mean, they were eliminated penalty kicks. Yeah. So it's not like they've truly been defeated in the postseason, at least in terms of regulation. Not since and, 2015. Right. So it, it's quite a run. And there's no reason to think this is over yet, too. I mean... You have guys, obviously, Avalar's coming back. He's only a junior. Benny mm-hmm. LeBranch, who is really strong in the midfield all season yep. long. His older brother, Jake,
0: won the state championship two years ago. And he so. was, I believe, an All-American uh, in 2016. So. Jake LeBranch. Well, yeah, right, Jake LeBranch. I was gonna say, yeah. Right.
1: And then Anthony Lavati, a sophomore who came up with some really huge goals in the postseason. Oh, yeah. He's coming and during back during regular well. season. Yeah. Well, right. But, I mean, all these guys are coming back, and, and there's more of them, too. Mm-hmm. And is just going to reload. And I just think, and McCauley was really harping on it, is just – this team had no blemish on their record. Usually, in yeah. soccer, you, you tie a team once in a while. or right. You just you face an equal. None of that all year. they won every single game. And in soccer, that's not something you see very often.
0: No, and they never trailed. I mean, they were ahead, I think... In, in the postseason, in, they never trailed, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Maybe they trailed a little bit in a couple of games during the regular season. Well, the but first
1: game of the year, they gave up a goal like the first minute to Somerville. And what a way to start the season. That's a fair uh, point. A state championship season. <laughs> and to come back and, and and shut a team out in the final. That just shows you how much can be done from game one to game 23.
0: Absolutely. You know, and... This team, I think, their ability to work off restarts and set pieces—that's maybe another one of the key differences from the 2016 team, where a lot of times they were just fast enough and skilled enough to just score during the regular pace of play. But that second goal they got Talabi's throw-in—I've seen them score multiple goals off throw-ins, like a free kick. Kinda, yeah, (laughs) because Talabi is so strong, he can throw the ball all the way into the box, basically. Right. Um. So that you know, to see that goal, that was really the first goal that I thought this is. Uh, you know, Nosset is now in its form. Nosset is going to be fine from here on out. That first goal they got, uh, Rushnak's pass to uh, Cormac Parker, that was kind of a defensive lapse by Arlington, but the first half was, I thought, Arlington the more aggressive team. Not nearly the same story in the second half, and it was really nice to see them kind of find their their groove and just roll from yeah, there.
1: and a guy like Rushneck can be dormant goal-wise for mm-hmm. a while and come in and score in the biggest game of the year. That Absolutely. just, again, shows off the strength. One more point on the defense, 16 shutouts this year. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like 2016 where they were shutting everybody out Only until the gave state up championship. One goal, yeah. But – you know, you'll take the state championship anyway. Absolutely. That's just extra. Sixteen that
0: shutouts in twenty three games That's is still pretty darn good. Really good defense. <laughs> really good defense.
1: So kudos to NASA for capping off a perfect season. Also doing so uh, Saturday, so the rest of the games were Saturday. DY field hockey with a three two win over Greenfield on Saturday at WPI. I'll admit I thought that after beating Watertown, the nine time state champion, or former nine time state champion, I can say now, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that D. Y would would come in and, and You know, win this game easily. Well, that wasn't the case. D.Y. did score a goal in the first 10 minutes. However, Greenfield punched right back five minutes later with a score off a penalty corner. It was a 1-1 game at the half. Mm -hmm. Um, But D.Y. kind of showed who they were in the beginning of the second half. They scored a couple goals off a restart. And, you know, you kind of thought they were going to put it away there. But Greenfield, they came back and they scored again and set up a real interesting scenario at the end where 34 seconds left, Greenfield has a potential penalty corner to tie it. Mm Mm-hmm. In field hockey, the rule works where you can keep taking the penalty corner. Right. The ball's not cleared out by the other team or the other team doesn't take right. possession. it could The time can run out yep. and you can keep going. And that's what kind of ended up happening three times. And on the third time, finally, Shelby Dunn, a senior who was just gave a tremendous effort the whole game, finally caused a turnover and, and D.Y. was able to come out victorious. Just a very dramatic win and, and a team that, it, after beating Watertown, you just had a feeling it was a matter of destiny. Mm-hmm. And it, it just took a full 16 minute effort for them yeah. to finally put it away.
0: Never assume that the state championship team you're going to face is somehow going to be easy right. just because you, you know, totally. had a big win in the semifinals, you know, no mm-hmm. section is bad in the state, right? Some have more success and have more of a history of winning state championships than others. But if you win and get to the state championship, you probably had to beat some really good teams and probably are a really good team. Right. Um. You know, like with Nosset, though, this is a DY team that should be back next year and should be very strong again next year. They're going to have Kayla McGaffigan back, who I think you said that's the you had, that's the most goals she had thirty four this year, and that's yeah. the most in a single season since O'Connor's been head, yeah. Mary O'Connor has been the head coach.
1: Yeah, we're trying to figure out if there's exactly a school record. This' are just trying to find some uh, some history into that. But. Sure, but
0: even if it isn't probably one of the strong, better scoring seasons right. in DY field hockey. But you're going to get back Ava McGaffigan, Kayla's sister. You're going to get back Abby Hicks, who was a really critical score. She had the game winner against Watertown in the semifinals. You're going to get Holmes, Lily Holmes, attacker. really good score. The big question, I think, with DY for next year uh, is the midfield. You mentioned Shelby Dunn; she was phenomenal all uh, season. So was Renee Levesque. Uh, the two of them really controlled the midfield and took a lot of the pressure off the defense. Mm. Uh, and Lucia Gurkis, who is also kind of Play some defense, plays mi- some midfield, but is definitely a two-way player who can also attack. She scored against Watertown. So those three, that's a big loss to one, the same part of the field. And so they're going to have to find replacements there. Mm-hmm. But I think their offense should be fine.
1: Yeah, and you never know. They could reshuffle the lineup a little they bit could. where some of those attackers go and play midfield. A player like Holmes kind of toward the end of the year was kind of you know working back and trying to help mm-hmm. with the attack as well. But Delana Gallagher is also back with the yep. goalie. Uh, she's only a junior this year, so there's a lot of those pieces intact. But it was certainly a good, ac- a great accomplishment for DY. They lifted the state trophy for the first time since 1987. Back then, Karen Olander was yep, a coach; she was coach. on hand, so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to see. Uh, I know she had a lot of, um, yeah, she was smiling really big just to get to see that that team lift the title again. And a cool fact we found out after that: Shelby Dunn's mother, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, also won a title 31 oh, wow. years ago and was part of Olander's team. and for That's those of cool. you who don't know, D. Field is also named after Karen Olander, and she obviously left a great legacy. in that program's Definitely. been uh, very successful, at even going back to the 1980s.
0: And it doesn't get reported much. She's turned that JV team in, into one of the most dominant JV teams there is. I mean, they win every game of the season most of the years. I mean, at one right. point, I think they were on like a seven-game, win, seven-year winning streak. Right. But just
1: really impressed with Dunn, though, at the end, though. She got whacked in the knee. I don't know if it was either the ball or the stick or something Mm -hmm. like that. We didn't really get a good look at it, but she was kind of writhing on the ground in pain, but also really excited at the end (laughs) that a team had just won a state championship. And, you know, she got carried off a little bit, but she was able to limp over and talk to us. And I'm sure the pain's all worth it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) absolutely.
1: Um, But just a great heroic effort and great atmosphere at WPI. And kudos to their staff for having that field ready. Mm -hmm. You know, the games at Worcester State, just two miles south of there, Weren't ready for play for soccer, but feel right. hockey. Everything was immaculate. All the snow was pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. Made for a great picture at the end. We had a couple <laughs> seniors jump into the snow. Um, and then uh, shout out to the fan section, too. Uh, they shouted me out as well a little bit. Lagoon, they always bring some good energy there. Yeah, Lagoon's <laughs> one of the more active students,
0: Cape student sections, uh, you know, from a Cape Cod high school, as far as Twitter goes. Um
1: you want to turn over to volleyball real quick? Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, you were there, definitely. Um,
0: yeah, I spent all day at
1: Worcester a long State. long <laughs> day of
0: volleyball, well, just like the South sectionals. So, mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah, you want to go ahead and yeah, kick that sure. out with Barnstable?
0: Yeah, we'll start with Barnstable just because they that is kind of the bigger division, higher team. So they lost to Newton North. Uh, they lost in four sets. Uh, it, it was the first loss of the season. It was the first time they'd lost any sets all year. The problem with never losing a set is you don't really learn how to play from behind, and Barnstable was behind for a lot of this match. You know, that leads to pressure, and pressure leads to errors, and you can't make errors against a Newton North squad that, frankly, they had better blockers. That's not been necessarily the strongest part of Barnstable's game all anyway, and they had more variety. Obviously, Ashley Wang, who was injured when they played Barnstable uh, during the regular season, which is probably a reason why... They swept, Barnstable swept Newton North in the regular season. She's an opposite side hitter. They have very good outsides. They can hit middle. They can do more and spread the offense out more than Barnstable. And if you're going to rely on your outsides like Barnstable does, you can't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And Barnstable made a lot of mistakes. They had 54 kills, including 29 from Riley James, but they also had 27 hitting errors. They had a hitting percentage of just 173. Six aces, but 11 service errors, you know, including some late in the fourth set that they needed to win. You know, Tegan James had 50 assists, but I also thought her timing with Ingrid Murphy was kind of off. Uh, She was good with Riley, uh, but she just couldn't adjust consistently to Ingrid whose leap and whose timing and whose setup for hits is a little bit different than Riley's. We can focus on individual errors and mistakes that might've been the difference, but for the most part, I think Newton North just kind of outplayed Barnstable. Um, I, I overvalued that sweep in the regular season. As mm-hmm. I said, Ashley Wang wasn't available.
1: Well, she did actually play in that match, but she was a libero. That I think she was coming back from a foot injury, so maybe though, yeah. they didn't use
0: her. Like the... she
1: wasn't very used very much in that match. All so, right, so yeah. they weren't
0: able to. She played, but she wasn't what she was here. Where she was their leading hitter, she had like right. twenty kills. Mm-hmm. You know. Newton North is a team that isn't necessarily covered super aggressively and they don't use max preps, which is the site that most high school volleyball teams in Massachusetts use to track their teams. So it's sometimes a little hard to figure out exactly how Newton North stacks up, which probably plays to their advantage. Cause I think a lot of times people underestimate them.
1: Right. But I mean, you know, Barnesville and Newton North, again, they had not does that regular season match. They saw each other at tournaments, this yeah, game film from all those. Game. So I don't necessarily think this was a preparation issue. I think it was honestly just came down to talent. Yeah. And execution. From looking at it, it looked like Newton North was just the better team on the court that day. Yeah. And that's what happens in a state championship game when you have your two best. It just, I think it hurts a little bit for Barnstable because they were literally had a perfect season going. Mm -hmm. Hadn't lost a set, obviously hadn't lost a match. And. Really, I think it just goes to show you how much talent in the state is concentrated within those two programs. Absolutely. And how it's kind of those two and then everybody else. Yeah.
0: Sometimes it's Hopkinton, but, but not consistently enough for sure. Right.
1: And Newt North lost a set in um, the semifinal Absolutely. against Lawrence, I believe, right? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we thought Newton North was, okay, Vulnerable. maybe they aren't as strong as last year's team, but in a championship match, boy, they've really stepped up <laughs> yeah. in recent years.
0: You know, when Riley James was able to get off a good hit, New North had no chance. It was but when they made errors and they made too many too often, New North was able to hang with or take leads and hold those leads whereas when Barnstable took leads they couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and the question with Barnstable moving forward is what is the offense going to look like next year? Riley James is going to uh who is the leading scorer in state history with like 1700 kills or more, I think 1729. She's going to Bryant University. Ingrid Murphy is going to Bentley University. Together, that's over 2,600 kills 200, and about 200 aces and 900 digs. Mm-hmm. That is a huge amount of, of production lost just in those two players. You know, you're going to have Tegan James back. Uh, you're going to have Libero Josie DeLuga back. But after that, who they're going to set to remains a real question. I'd love to see the team try to restructure like they did in 2015 when they had James, who was a freshman at the time, but they also had... Michaela Cornwall, and they had Madison Solos, and they could really get production out of both their outside and their middle hitter spots. Whereas in the last three years, it's really just been all outsides, and I'd love to see that rebalanced a little.
1: Yeah, I think you might see it in a different sport, a little bit like Noss. They're just going to have to disperse the offense uh, Mm -hmm. much more. You know, when you talked to, you know, Coach Tom Turco, we said, you know, it's really rare that you have even a thousand kills person because right. in the past, Barnstable has just spread their offense. They've only had so like two, Brist- right. Stephanie
0: Bristol and Riley James. Right.
1: So, I mean, you're, you're not going to get those players, but you could still have the same success. It, it's Absolutely. been done before. Yeah. So I just think you're right in the restructuring of the offense. It's just going to need to come from more, from mm-hmm. more people. And I, I certainly think that they have the talent pool to do that. It's just a matter who it's going to come from. You know, Tegan James is just a freshman. Who says you can't grow up and be just as tall? Maybe she hasn't hit a growth spurt yet. You never it's know. Certainly possible. She, she Shay might Johnson, not be an outside hitter like your sister, but she could certainly, you know, for sure, being a good player.
0: You know, I think Shay Johnson is an interesting player to look at. I saw some good stuff, especially from her on the service line. That was mostly where they used her. But if she can work on her attack a little bit, I think she could maybe get some uh, reps in at outside hitter. Sophie Strzok, they used a lot at middle hitter this year, and she's still young. I think she's a sophomore this year. Mm -hmm. So maybe they can try to develop her much more, including improving on their blocking. I mean, that that, that was a deficiency with this team is they did not block a lot, Mm -hmm. and that certainly would help if they could do what Newton North did, which was absorb the brunt of a lot of the attacks and then make it easier for their passers.
1: Yeah. Struck, I could think develop, could develop into a really good outside hitter. And again, it's just all training. Mm -hmm. You know, these players are going to take their, they're going to take their licks from those losses and they're going to remember, all right, this is where we were. It was a step greater than last year, but it was also ended the season and a loss. Yep. So we'll go from there, but Wang isn't done either yet. Right. She's a, she's She's committed to Harvard. She is going to Harvard next year. That's right. Sorry. She was a junior last year. Yeah. So, so, at least on the Newton North <laughs> side of things. But there's other good hitters for that team, too, like oh, yeah. you mentioned for Newton North, a trio or three, and, and Barnsville knew that
0: going in. Absolutely. One team that didn't walk off the court with their <laughs> season ending in a loss was Bourne Volleyball. They won in four sets over Whitensville Christian. That was the D3 championship, the first one. Not a perfect showing for the Canalmen. I think even Coach Andy Mather would admit there was some tension and nerves, especially in the first set. But they got over the hump. They brought home the championship. It's the first one in, in I think, 14 years or something like that for for Bourne. And I think a lot about the senior captains, Cammie Mackinac, Emma Fenton, and Madison Stuck, how disappointed they were last year when they knew they hadn't put their best effort in and lost to and been swept by Frontier. So to come back and control this game for most of it, I mean, you know, Winesville Christian did win the third set barely, but – I really thought Bourne controlled the pace of this match more or less start to finish, and that's got to be pretty satisfying for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned aces were huge in this game. The serving was huge in this game. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, how appropriate it ended on with an ace at the end. Yeah, two of them. Right. (laughs) Um, Just having that discipline to do the basics, I think Bourne just showed how much better that team was on the court. And... It's certainly a class that's been building up for a long time. They, yeah. took, a, they took a step forward pretty much each year gradually. Yep. And finally, I think it was so clear that they were the best team in Division Three, especially after taking care of Frontier in a sweep getting yeah. that state uh, final revenge from a year before beating them in the semifinals. So a, a great win for a great program that I still think does have some talent. Maybe will take a little bit of a step back next year because just how great those seniors were. Yeah. But... You know, that's a program that also has been able to reboot over the years. and
0: Yeah, I mean, they're losing they're losing Fenton and Mackinac, who are the, their two best hitters. They're losing Mackinac and Stuck, who are the two best servers. I think Sarah Sullivan is also a senior, so they're losing their setter. Mm-hmm. So they are going to have to restructure next year, uh, which, again, is why it was nice to see this team. That might be the, you know, the peak that that program is for a little while. Wrap it up in the right way.
1: Mm-hmm. absolutely so
0: that's i think about that do it do for, for state championship can, so
1: again three out of four is not bad right yeah. <laughs> i mean uh
0: we yeah last year there was just two the year before there were four but you know to get three without any football teams in the in the state champ in the hunt that's not right. bad you know oh and yeah. shout outs to the vineyard for taking fifth at all state and girls cross country that's right um and they're really young so they mm-hmm. that could, team could if they all stay together and stay healthy that team could be a force in in you know, division five and then D two for Allstate for the next three years.
1: Absolutely. If you missed any coverage from this weekend, you can also check out Cape Cut dot com slash sports. You can also check out Cape Cut dot com slash photos and Cape Cut dot com slash video mm-hmm. for all inclusive coverage of the weekend's activities. Let's turn it over to Thanksgiving football absolutely. for now though. The true Obviously, end of the fall. The true end of the fall season, absolutely. Um we'll start with the game playing for the Selectman's right. Cup, found with <laughs> at Barnstable. The oldest rivalry on Cape Cod by far. Mm -hmm. Matt, you're going to be covering that one. Absolutely. What do you you got for us on that?
0: Yeah. First of all, calling it the game. There are a lot of schools that call their game (laughs) the game. So maybe it should be renamed a game. But anyway. The game for Cape Cod. How about that? Yeah, exactly. So that began in 1895. (laughs) That is one of the oldest rivalries in the nation. Not the oldest. Some of them date back to like 1875. But still a very, very old series. Barnstable leads overall 62-60-8, and, and that includes 45-42-4, so it's been pretty even. Uh, but that second record, that's the Thanksgiving Day record. But Falmouth has won the last three, and this one is shaping up to be a pretty competitive rendition. I, uh, both teams have winning records. Falmouth is 7-2, and two, Barnstable is 6-4. Both are league champions. Falmouth won the Atlantic Coast League. Barnstable won the Old Colony League in what might turn out to be the last year of either of those conferences' existence. And they both won their first round uh, playoff games. So, even in terms of positions, there's a this is there's a lot of back and forth here. Matt Peter Cus- Matt Peter Cuskey, excuse me, has been really good at QB for Barnstable, but so is Kyle Connolly for Falmouth. Brian Fry is Barnstable's like fullback. Jake Murphy is uh, Falmouth's fullback, and they've both had really great games this season. Each team has some good skill position guys: Kyle Cardozo and Trevor Nunes for Falmouth. Joseph Molina and Luke Lucasio for Barnstable. Uh, and they even both have a really good linebacker with the first name of Colby. And there's Colby <laughs> Davis for Flamath and Colby Burke for Barnstable. The problem, the biggest issue that Barnstable has is their best receiver, uh, Connor Baldessaro, Matt Peterkusky's favorite target by far this year, suffered a broken leg against Brockton in Week 10. He is not going to be available. I would have called this a real close, maybe one possession game, but without him that offense is going to have a much bigger issue moving the ball uh, than they would if he was available.
1: Yeah, I think re- Barnsville is really going to have to rely on his defense in this game, mm-hmm. and
0: we've seen it before. Sure. his <laughs> it's, its
1: ability to shut out teams, shutting out uh, Wellesley, yeah, in, Wellesley in, in the, in the postseason, round. I think gives you some optimism. I know Baldessaro's kind of helped out sometimes on the defensive side too, so a little, yeah. that'll be a bit of a loss in, in the secondary. But, you know, we've seen it before. When Barnes was underestimated, they – they show up and give an effort, certainly. So I think if they can keep the low scoring game, advantage Parsable. But if it's like last year where Falmouth's offense is pretty much flowing the whole game yeah. and Kyle Conda is ripping off big runs, it's going to be a long day for Parsable
0: For sure, especially if Cardoza is at full health. You know, he is a huge defensive presence. Literally, he's really tall and big (laughs) uh but he's also a really tough defender uh receiver to cover just because of his size most teams don't have safeties or defensive backs who can match up with his size so if he starts having his way that could make for a very long day for barnstable on both sides of the ball i'm probably am going to take falmouth just because i think the Baldessaro loss is going to be tough especially since they've only had like 10 days to to kind of practice without him Mm -hmm. um but if barnstable can win the turnover battle maybe by get two more turnovers than they give up that could help you know Corey wardwell has had some interceptions on defense for barnstable but so has trevor noons uh for uh falmouth so if one team can win the turnover contest i think they probably they could keep it close enough to then Pull ahead and win the game.
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure Barnstable is watching film from some of these other games where Falmouth is really limited on the offensive side. We sort of saw that in the postseason. So right. I'm sure they'll have a, a good game plan and um, maybe quite away for Roster Cola to go in his first year by ending the losing skit against Falmouth. Absolutely. And and these seniors don't want, the don't want to don't want to
0: lose again. I mean, if they lose, then that senior class will have their entire four years right. never have beaten Falmouth. And it's at Barnstable so certainly they will be very, very motivated. It is going to be really cold, and we'll see what effect that has on a team that likes to pass because generally cold weather favors running.
1: And that would favor Falmouth's triple option, We've exactly. talked about yeah. extensively on this show. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, another big game we're looking forward to is D.Y. at Nosset. Chowder you know, bowls. Speaking of, uh, yeah, the Chowder bowls, Try Speaking of ending uh, losing skids, D.Y. leads the series 15-5 because they've won every single year since 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dolphins, you know, I talked a little bit with DI coach and AD Paul Funk on Saturday, and he even admitted this is one of the better NASA teams he's seen. These teams play together and played against each other in the regular season. Yep. With uh, with DI winning thirty-four to fourteen, the game was pretty close. It was only a two-score game in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. DI finally added a late score there, but at five and five, the Warriors are going for their first season since twenty thirteen. Um, their first winning season. First winning season. Yeah. <laughs> first winning season since twenty thirteen. Um, and Nasik plays physically, you know, Mack LeBarge is a strong running back. Will Van Fleck, who is also, um, he's still with there, he's another good complimentary back too. Mm-hmm. Those guys can get those chunk yardage plays and possess, and Nassik's also really toward the end of the year was starting to throw the ball better, Bobby Joy hitting guys yeah. like Henry Blanchard more, mm-hmm. in the open field, both those backs I'm sure can catch out of the backfield if they need sure. to either on screens and stuff like that. Um, and and you've seen a lot of teams this year that have beaten D.Y. have beat D.Y. through the air. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if Nasa can have that balanced approach, kind of mix run and pass. Definitely. Because that's going to be their best chance on offense. But if you're D.Y., you definitely have some unfinished business and a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. You see Situate going through to the Dillette Stadium this year. A team at Dy was literally probably two yards away from, from finishing away in the yeah. first round, and they came down ninety-eight yards. We all know the story from yep. there. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're they're not really happy about how that shaped out. So they definitely don't want to lose to their rivals and lose that losing skid because this is sort of their this really is their bowl games of sorts, not just in the name of it. But these Thanksgiving games almost turn into college football bowl games now, just a way to end the season, kind of playing for something.
0: Absolutely, and and this game. You know, it has the added motivation of this is a conference opponent. This isn't some team that you never see except for this game. You know, so so this is definitely one where both teams would like to finish out on a high note. You know, not so what you mentioned with having a winning season for the first time in a while. Heavily motivated. Bobby Joy really has, I think, taken a huge step forward as a football player this whole year. We'll see with D.Y., you know. Right.
1: Absolutely, and uh, on the DY side, you know, quarterback Peyton Doyle. I I think he's going to have to s- sort of put the team on his back in this one, We've which he's done a lot before. this season. I mean, you know, and you know, Jeffrey Jamil actually had four touchdowns in this last game too. Right. So obviously, Nossett's is going to be keying on him. So I would I would be really expecting to see guys like Mike Gurney, Quan Phillips, mm-hmm. Darian Thompson be really targeted in this game, especially if they have two guys kind of shading Jamie the whole time because yep. they certainly don't want him in the end zone four times like they did in the first game. Absolutely. So this could be a close high-scoring game. We kind of got a, a gist of that in the foul with 1st Nosset matchup. Mm-hmm. Nossett's played really well at home, and they kind of ended the, – or they started their season in disappointment, you know, basically losing out on the extra point right. to Sharon. So if they could win over D.Y. and that losing kid and have a winning season – I think things are looking up for that program.
0: I Agree. Uh, you want to switch over to a sandwich at Mashpee? Yeah, the let's cranberry do it. bowl. So that one—that's uh, a little bit newer of a rivalry, in part because Mashpee is not that old of a high school. That started in 1999. Mashpee leads eight-five and has won the last two. If Mashpee, which is eight and two, were completely healthy, I pick them to easily dominate uh, to dominate the game. But they're not going to have Devon Ford, who's the leading scorer in school history, and they're not going to have Jack Vanitsky, who is uh, one of their running backs and a key defensive member as well, who are both hurt in the uh, South sectional semifinals. So suddenly this game becomes at least winnable for Sandwich, which is three and six and seems to be at mostly full health. You know, Cam Lopes, uh, the Blue Knights quarterback. He's put up 14 touchdowns over these three games against non-playoff teams, all sandwich wins to finish out the season. So he's playing very well. Charlie Chapman and Mike Norton have been really solid for sandwich at receiver. The question is, can he? Can they do that against Mashby, which is a better team than anything they've faced since the you know since Week Seven ended and they stopped playing you know their their ACL opponents, uh, especially because Mashby's defensive end Xavier Gonzalez, This is his last game. He is going to UMass. He's going to be a D1 FCS football player, and he is a really versatile offensive player. He can catch. He can throw it a little. They've used him as a runner in Wildcat packages and just snapped it directly to him, and he's very, very big and strong on defense. I've
1: seen him return punts, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's he's really an all-purpose kind of player, and I'm not sure Sandwich's defense can contain him, and they, Mashpee still does have quarterback Ian Miller and senior Cameron Kurgo, who does not want to go out on a loss on his home field. So this wasn't how Mashpee wanted to end it, but I just don't know that Mashpee can play badly enough at home to really give Sandwich a chance in this one.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and the difference is this year, too, is that Mashpee's not playing for a Super Bowl, so... So
0: they can play They've everybody. always played sort of...
1: Take these games seriously. It's kind of varied over the years. Well, but, they didn't uh, play
0: Deshaun Diaz in the 2015 right. one, and they lost that one, and they were pretty upset about it. But then Diaz had like a 200-yard, four-touchdown game in the state you championship. Right. take the Super Bowl title. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think even Gonzalez's bigger impact is at his defensive end. And like oh, you yeah, said, I don't course. think Sandwich's offensive line is is going to be able to contain him well. So if I'm sandwiched, I'm running opposite side. I'm running everything, rollouts, yeah. everything away from Gonzalez. Try to take him out of the game as much as possible offensively and try to make that secondary of mashby, which it also loses Ford on that end. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't realize that Ford plays defense, he was it was very hard to throw the ball to his side because it almost cuts the field in half. Right.
0: Well he was a safety, so it was very hard to throw over the top of him. But right. then when Cohasset... Uh, which shouts to them. They won the South. I mean, they were able to knock off Abington the week later. They would go over the top every time they could once Ford was injured and couldn't return to the game. Right. So, you know, it's definitely a loss for Mashpee. We'll see. I think Mashby still has enough, specifically Gonzalez is might be enough on his own almost to, to beat Sandwich this right.
1: year. But yeah, if I'm Mashby's defense, I'm playing back a little bit. If they want to throw it deep, let them, but just don't get beat behind you. They right. want to take short plays, fine, but they're going to have to get the ball off quickly if Gonzalez is, is hemming in on quarterback Cam Lopes.
0: Sure. Which is Sandwich's strength. I mean, Charlie Chapman is a good receiver, but most of what the yards I've seen him get have been on short yardage passage, passes on crossing routes over the middle of the field, not necessarily like a, a Trevor Nunes or somebody, or Baldessaro who will just go deep and, and haul it in.
1: Mm-hmm. So, just to make to mention, all these games start at 10 a.m. Thursday. Yeah, these are 10
0: a.m. starts. Uh, we're trying to mention the, so Barnstable is at home, Mashpee is at home, Nossett is the home team in that one, so...
1: Uh, the one game not happening on the Cape is Bourne at Wareham, another historic, rival with the second, yep. I think, oldest rivalry for for Cape Cod.
0: Yeah, on the uh, superintendent's trophy. It started back in 1934. Wareham uh, has a 56-30 and one record. Uh, so they've dominated Thanksgiving. They've won the last four of these. But, I mean, to be quite blunt, I really expect Bourne is going to win this one pretty easily. Bourne is 5-5. Five and five. Wareham is 2 and eight. And Bourne beat Wareham 48-20 in week two. I, I see no reason to think Thursday's result will be much different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly Bourne is going to be going after that winning, just like NASA going after that winning season. Yeah. It would be a huge disappointment if the canalmen somehow did finish with that winning season, just given the, the success of quarterback James Cahoon and yep. guys like Spencer Rose who have really put together great s- senior seasons. They've had some great moments, even though the team made Obviously, didn't go as far as mm-hmm. as they would have liked. It, it, they still put together. Um, if it's their quite best season, it.
0: it's their best season since 2011 yeah. when they won the Super Bowl. Abs- absolutely,
1: mean, absolutely.
0: You know, and against Wareham Kahuna, he had two touchdown throws, one to Sean McDonough, one to Jack Neal, Josh Gonzalez, Ryan O'Connor, and Jamin Scott each ran for touchdowns. And then Bourne all season has had the ability to score on defense. You had McDonough and Spencer Rose, as you mentioned, with interceptions they returned for TDs. Those were not nearly the only defensive scores the Canalmen had this season. And they're facing a Wareham team that gives up 31.2 points per game. Their only wins this season were against Atlantis Charter, which is still very much learning how to be a varsity football program, mm-hmm. and Holbrook, which was a one-and-eight team. They've given up three touchdowns or more to every other team they've faced. They've scored one or fewer touchdowns in six of those eight losses. They're really down this year. They're young. They've got major injury issues. A lot of the guys who scored against Bourne in that game in week two have since gotten hurt either temporarily or been lost for the season. So I really think Wareham is going to have a hard time winning this game. I think Bourne should be able to win this pretty comfortably, probably by three touchdowns or more.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um Going back on Cape Now we got a new rivalry this year. Yep. Saint John Paul at Monomoy in the past. Uh, Saint John Paul hadn't always played on Thanksgiving. Sometimes they play like Madden on or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but this year they're gonna play at Monomoy, who dropped Sacred Heart as a, a Thanksgiving rival. And uh SCP comes in six and four, Monomoy three and six again, the first meeting on Thanksgiving. Saint John Paul beat Sandwich last season pretty handily. hmm Um I actually wrote sandwich there by accident. <laughs>
0: well, speak, I think you're going sandwich. SJP so
1: they... beat Monomoy this year, or right. beat Sandwich this year, while Sandwich beat up on Monomoy a couple weeks right. ago. I think if you can compare there, um, you could do that. But there's one problem for SJP. No Mike Sackovich this time yeah. around. Their quarterback is on a trip to Ecuador. We, we found out today, so he's not going to play. SJP going to have to go to one of their younger guys to play QB and. You know, really, unless they can get some other guys, maybe like a Darren Katziv going or something like that on the ground, this could be a long day for SJP trying to figure it out on offense.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think Katziv is probably the guy they really got to uh, get some stuff, from, uh, get some good play from. You might see something from Will Cody, Will Good. They've been strong. Kevin Flynn's had a good year. Um, but Mark Paulina, who is a, a product of the DY system and and is a very skilled quarterback, I, I don't think the, the issues Monomoy has had this year have really been on him. And so he could definitely kind of lead the Sharks to a win over the Lions uh, in this game, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be an ugly one. We never know because basically if Monomoy can take care of the ball, I think it's, it, the Sharks will be fine. Mm-hmm. But if they if they turn the ball over to SJP, which sdp has got, like you said, it's got a lot of points on turnovers this year. Yeah, it, it could be a long day, so... Um Monomoy certainly has playmakers. Elijah Beasley and Tyler Potter have both made plays. You know, Beasley's more of a running back. Pot- Potter's more of a receiver. Yep. So there's definitely guys there who can who can turn, you know, big plays into points. So mm-hmm. we'll uh we'll see what happens in that one. And um yeah, let's go to the last rivalry over here. Cape Tech at Upper Cape. The Golden Wrench. The Golden Wrench. I forgot it was called that. <laughs> <laughs> Upper Cape leads that series five and two. Cape Tech comes in three and six. Uh, Upper Cape 6 and 5, fresh off a loss in the vocational semifinal yep. to um, Neshoba Valley Tech. Um, it's a bit of a short week for Upper Cape. And, you know, it was really, it's going to be really tough for Upper Cape. They did win the prior season matchup 27 20, coming back down from 20 to 7. The problem is they had Jazari Saleem, who I believe is out for the year. Yeah, he's done. So, really, it's going to have to come down to Kevin Glover running the ball. And, you know, Upper Cape's used a guy like Wally Alden, a guy we've been really high up on on defense in the mm-hmm. run game a little bit, yep. but it's going to be really tough for Upper Cape to move the ball without their really big playmaker. Absolutely. Who, again, was out for the season after a cheap shot um, against Coyle Cassidy, so that's that's really tough for the Rams to swallow there. But, you know, it's your rival, it's your rival and Cape Tech won it big last year, 30-6, to so certainly seeking some revenge to get that golden wrench back.
0: Definitely. You know, and then on Cape Tech's side, they're 3 and 6, but this has been a pretty good season as far as Cape Tech's teams go. They made the playoffs, which they'd never done before
1: in the new system. In the right? new yeah.
0: system, and they'd never done as an independent program. I mean, once the uh, the Harwich Cape Tech uh, co-op dissolved, which I think was like 2010, they'd never made the playoffs in the old system either. So this this was a step forward for this program for sure. You look, like, you look at Archer Estonville or Juan Camilo, Trevor Castilius. Those are the guys who are going to have to have big plays uh, for the Crusaders to have a shot. Um, I think without Salim, this is a more balanced game, but probably I'd still give the edge to Upper Cape.
1: Yeah, I really like Upper Cape's defense a lot, even without Salim. You know, Alden's great as a defensive end, and he's also got Anthony Georgeopoulos, who's put together a really good season as a senior. So. That front four is pretty good, mm-hmm. and I think can stuff the run. It's just a matter of making sure they don't get you know, beat because Upper uh, Cape Tech's taken some shots down the field, and they've scored some touchdowns from long passing plays before. They don't throw the ball often, so sometimes if your sec- defensive backs are cheating up, mm-hmm. that's when Cape Tech can take advantage and fire a deep pass, and a guy like um, you know, Estonville can break one. Definitely. So.
0: All right. We'll uh, we'll run through just the locations real quick one more time for Thanksgiving football. It's Falmouth at Barnstable, Sandwich at Mashpee, St. John Paul at Monomoy, that's in Harwich. Cape Tech is at Upper Cape in Bourne. uh, Bourne is at Wareham, and DY is at Nauset in Northeastern. And as we said, they're all 10 a.m. starts. So wake up early and dress warmly because it's going to be very cold.
1: Great. And as someone who's played on it, in these games before, Turkey always tastes better. So to all those <laughs> seniors out there, just a
0: quick word, you know, play your best
1: out there. You know, you'll certainly remember this game, win or lose. And I remember it was one of the most emotional sporting events I ever played in. Uh, one of the only things that's actually made me cry after a game. And it is just a game, but it, it does me more on Thanksgiving. So it, it's a special moment, even though a lot of these games in the new state tournament system, they don't, They may not mean a lot in terms of uh, significance to the playoffs, but they still, I think, mean a lot to the people of the town, and Mm -hmm. and certainly it's always better to win than to lose against your rivals. So best of luck to everybody out there. Uh, Good luck practicing this week, and best of luck when Thursday comes around.
0: Yeah, so that'll do it for this uh, episode. You can download uh, this episode and previous ones through... Uh, podcast apps uh, for iPhone for Apple products and for Google products. You can find the show, facebook.com slash Now or capecodtimes.com slash Now. You can also follow us on Twitter. We will both be at games on Thursday and tweeting from them. I'm at Matt Goisman, C-C-T. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T.
1: And you can also find me on Twitter at, at Steve underscore Duderian, last name D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Matt? Have a good Thanksgiving. You too.